You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. Happy New Year to our listeners. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. 2022 already, Michael. How about wow. that, huh? You know, every year you, you, you know, kind of go through the same process. You think, well, I blinked and <laughs> yeah. it was 2021. Yeah. And uh, now I've got a clean slate and and, uh, mm-hmm. and the Lord's, you know, gifted us with another another chance to, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, serve him better this year. Right. Even so, yeah. come Lord Jesus. Well, Amen. this program today will be largely from the archive. We're going to reach into that rich archive for an interview with Scott Rowley, mm. your best friend that we've uh, we heard before, but Scott yeah. will rejoin us today. And then Dr. Larry Crabb, the late, I, I can't believe I have to say that, the late Dr. Larry Crabb. Yeah. When I, when I got up this morning, I was looking at the notes and uh, getting, getting ready for us to record today. I, I just remembered meeting Larry that first time. There was a pastor here in town that got us together. We went I went over to his house and we had dinner. And um I I have all these memories of Larry Crabb who who always reached out and he was he was this gracious, gracious man. And my last memory of him, my son got married in Colorado Springs and lo and behold, there's Larry Crabb. He showed up at the wedding. Mm, wonderful. Yeah, it's a great, great brother. He is he is yeah. missed. Hey, look at this comment from this pastor who wrote to us. Do you have that in front of you? Yeah, I do. Uh, it says, um, thank you for what you do on the podcast. This week I was having a more difficult week. As I was getting ready to head into the office this morning, I'd lost my joy. I was about to work out and wanted something to listen to. I was drawn to dig through your podcast to find something that would speak to me of the incarnation. I ended up listening to the podcast from a year ago, the Christmas concert in New York. At times I was weeping and singing along all as I worked out. It was a beautiful time of recentering on what matters most, God with us. Wow. God with us. <laughs> what an encouraging word. Golly. Yeah. Isn't that the great thing about these podcasts too, is you can dig through the archive and find what speaks to you at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And and to think of a pastor, you know, working out uh, and listening to finding some of this helpful and uh and being encouraged by it. That's just the best encouragement I can think of. Well, stay tuned for conversations with Scott Rowley and the late Dr. Larry Crabb, but let's open with Michael's song, We Will Find Him. search to find the truth We turn so many musty pages In our hope to find some clue Then the words leapt from the parchment From Jacob shines a star That a wordless one who is the word Will be worth a journey for We will find him So cold and black and dark And it told us all too clearly Of the night inside our hearts And the star tore through the darkness And like an angel shone To guide us to that one true light Who became flesh and And we will follow 
find the king whose kingdom is the heart. He stilled our secret syllables and hushed our wisest words. In the silence of the stable there was wisdom finally heard. Someday reign without a rival This is Matthew, second chapter, verses 1 through 12. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have seen his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed by their question, as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Where did the prophets say the Messiah would be born, he asked them. In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judah, you are not just a lowly village in Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod sent a private messenger to the wise men, asking them to come and see him. At this meeting, he learned the exact time when they first saw the star. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. Once again, the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way, because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Michael, earlier this mm-hmm. month, we've talked about some of the prophecies of the coming of Christ. We've talked about even the star yep, of Bethlehem. what the star was. Jacob's star. Uh, today, let's focus in on the wise men. Mm. Yeah, first first off, uh, there weren't necessarily three of them. There could have been 300 of them. No. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> of course, we think there were three because there were three gifts. Three gifts, yeah. But uh, that that's an interesting thing to put in the into your imagination mm. to, to, to imagine instead of three, maybe, you know, hundreds. Scott, how many do you imagine there yeah. were? I don't know. All yeah. I know is they were different kind of people. Yeah. And part of the text that sort of encourages you is that they're from a place far off, yeah. somewhere different. And I think that the international character of the gospel is always present. Yeah. And in and around the child, then, here you have an international representation. The first people to worship him. Yeah, have come hmm. from Persia, probably. Yeah, learned men. Uh, these were these were Zoroastrian priests. They were uh, people who read the religious writings of all the world's uh, religions, all the Bibles. And what's most interesting to me about them is I think that the the very fact that they would take a trip like this, and in these days you 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 never knew if you were going to come back alive from a trip like this, as as far as they went. Um, all of the knowledge of all the world's religions was not enough. There was still something that made them hungry enough. Uh, They were looking for the truth, and uh, they left on this journey when they saw the the star. We believe the passage, we read it uh, in Numbers, the prophecy of Balaam, uh, about a star coming out of uh, Jacob, that we think that's the passage that uh, got them on their journey. Mm -hmm. But they were hungry for something. Mm And they found it. Uh, they, they, the first place they went to was the palace where Herod was, where naturally, naturally, you would go. Right. And lo and behold, the star leads them to a barn. And they look for a king, you know, and sort of the kingly pose that we give them. I'm not sure exactly how we would how we would discern that, but yeah. the reality is there of, of wealth enough to make this kind of a journey mm-hmm. and give those um, kind of gifts exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. their their own um, kingliness 
in a sense, looking for the king. Yeah. And the, the beauty and the paradox of the one who would be king is the child yeah. who's born in this rough um, place away from the palace. Yeah, and sleeping in a, in a cattle trough. But uh, still, and I credit them uh, this, they, they see the infant and they recognize that this is the wisdom of God. And you might think that they would have a disagreement or at least some kind of dialogue. I mean, right. my, as they stumbled up to that, you can't, you got to hear them saying, <laughs> maybe we missed that. Maybe this is another star. Yeah. Maybe we, you know, hey, you know. Read hey, that Joe. chart again. Yeah, look at that again. <laughs> Take a second look. But that is true. That yeah. The spirit is so profound in his, yep. in his revelation that here here's the child, that they are struck with the same yeah. worship that we're struck with. They worship him. And we know from uh, from other sources that these priests uh, were, and actually Daniel was uh, one of these uh, magi when he was in Persia. Hmm. Uh, they they were possessors of secret wisdom. They they had special um, uh, secret phrases that only they knew that they had to be uh, present at special occasions to utter these phrases, to make them official, that sort of thing. And what's in, in, in incredible to me is when they find Jesus, uh, they don't seem to say much. Hmm. They worship. Their their response is to fall down. You know, the thought just occurred to me. I wonder if we would have written them off as being too intellectual and you know too highbrow mm-hmm. to ever. Uh, well, the Jews fit our th- the, little thinking, little the, system. The Jews would certainly write them off because they weren't Jewish, right? But uh, all sorts of reasons to write them off. Yeah. Uh, but God doesn't write anybody off. Mm-hmm. And 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 amazing uh, people like that who I think you're right. They have all the learning. Yeah. Have and, all the knowledge the world has to offer. And then who who's the other group that God reveals this to? The, the shepherds. shepherds. I think yeah. The same yeah, thing. Yeah. Who right. were outcasts? Who were uh, perpetually sort of unclean and couldn't be part of the the worship either. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So you really have the contrast of the two the two classes there, really, don't right. you? Yeah, and he's Lord of all, and he, yeah. he reaches to both. What yeah. a connection he is. You know, he comes for the poor, um, re- reminding those that are wealthy that unless we're poor in spirit, we can't, you know, we're, we're unless we are the poor, we're not going to see him. We, yeah. We're not going to really understand. He yeah. preaches good news to the poor. Yeah, and that's a good way of putting it. There, e- Even with the, this wealth of knowledge they had, there was still a poverty in their souls right. Right. That, that got them there. And it's the hunger that was the gift that got them there. Hmm, that's great. Yeah. Wow. Well, Scott, you're the holder of the scripture here for us today. You have the NLT version in hand there that we're reading from on this program. Let's go a little deeper in Matthew chapter 2. Yeah, this is a wonderful translation, by the way. And I, I want to just comment as I set this up. Think about Christmas in a new way, um, perhaps even now as we've come through Christmas. But think about this, that this is an Asian-born baby. Jesus mm-hmm. is Asian-born. And he's going to be a refugee in North Africa. Mm-hmm. He's taken into Africa as a refugee. So for all of us that um, have a heart for the refugee movement, for understanding the, 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 the realities of our, of our Lord and the homeless, um, let's just listen to this passage. Verse 13, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to try to kill the child. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he learned that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under because the wise men had told him the star first appeared to them about two years earlier. Herod's brutal action fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah. A cry of anguish is heard in Ramah, weeping and mourning unrestrained. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. We see Herod exercising uh, his power in in the way that uh, uh, the spirit of the age is often you know, expressed itself, uh, and that is by slaughtering innocent children. We saw it. Uh, we saw it with the Romans. We saw it with uh, someone even in close to our own time, like Hitler. Mm-hmm. We see it today in in Sudan, in uh, Afghanistan, in places where uh, uh, Bosnia, where genocide, where children are killed. It's the spirit of the age. So you see Herod's actions here as carrying out the devil's plans, really. You see the spirit of the age at work in him and through him. Right. We saw Pharaoh. We saw that when Pharaoh tried to kill uh, Moses, you know, when when, uh, the, the, the Hebrews were, you know, growing too large and they started killing babies. And it's interesting to me how often... The focus of the devil's, uh, you know, wrath or whatever you want to call it, uh, hate, 
uh, evil uh, is focused on little innocent children. Hmm. Scott, we've talked a lot about this. I mean, we've we've uh, worked together a lot about this. Right. You know, it's uh, it's always our you know celebration that God, you know, in His mind and heart knew us in creation, knit us together wonderfully in our mother's womb. We understand that, and then then there comes this remarkable ability. Um, with the worst of humanity to destroy life, mm-hmm. and it really, in a lot of ways, our coming together. We kind of laughed about singing on a, on a commercial, but our coming together in the context of of the pro life movement of, mm-hmm. of a life, saying that life is worth our work and yeah. um, and our efforts in protection through foster care, adoptive care, um, some of the the avenues and, and abilities and instruments that, that the Lord has given to us, the doctrine of adoption, which is so clearly and beautifully uh, woven through Paul's texts and Paul's writing, yeah. the help of seeing how adoption is, is an answer to this, to this kind of a, of a, of a, de- a devastating travesty. Mm-hmm. You know? Let's talk more about that in a few moments, but to help all of us think more deeply about what we've just read in the scriptures mm-hmm. here, Michael, would you do this song for us uh, that comes from this text? Yeah, this is, uh, this is actually a song that Scott and I sang together for years on the road uh, called The Spirit of the Age. We were, we were always, I think, emotionally attached to the congregations or the concert audiences during this song, I think this had more impact as I watched your concert unfold. Yeah. People d- identified with the care for the, the babies. Yeah. Once again, the scriptures come to life here through Michael's music. Michael Card sings Spirit of the Age. That I heard crying coming through my door. Was it Rachel weeping for her sons who were no more? Could it have been the babies crying for themselves, never understanding that they died for someone else? The voices heard of weeping and of History speaks of it on every page Of innocent and helpless little babies Offerings to the spirit of the age heard it, this voice that speaks from hell, sacrifice your children and for you it will be well. The subtle serpent's lying, his dark and ruthless rage, behold it is revealed to be the spirit of the age. A voice is heard of weeping and of wailing. History speaks of it on every page Of innocent and helpless little babies Offerings to the spirit of the age Soon all the ones who seem to die for nothing Will stand beside the ancient of death That does bring back great memories and um, great joy uh, to know that our Lord is a baby, and that baby is the one who survives 
And the good news is that he grows to be the man uh, mm-hmm. who would save our souls. Mm-hmm. And hallelujah for his victory. And so to save us from the spirit of the age. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the final part of the scripture from 19 um, down through 23 reads this way. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew t- uh, chapter 2, 19 through 23. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and told him, Get up and take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph returned immediately to Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid. Then in another dream he was warned to go to Galilee. So they went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what was spoken by the prophets concerning the Messiah. He will be called a Nazarene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful to see. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful to see dreams? Um, you know, yeah. I know that Mike has, has done wonderful work in, in the idea or with the idea of dreams. Yeah. But to see dreams being the way God's communicating. Yeah, God speaks to Joseph in dreams. He yeah. speaks to Mary uh, with angelic visitations. And I always say it's because Joseph is the, the kind of person that can believe a dream. You know, because being the father of Jesus would sort of be a dream, (laughs) (laughs) you know, in and of itself. And he spoke to the wise men in dreams. So, yeah, very interesting. And I I also read this this word, the angel says, uh, you know, those who are trying to kill Jesus are dead. But the fact is, you know, he'll be safe for 20, 25, 30 years. But once he starts his ministry, almost from the very beginning, there are going to be people waiting to take his life. You know, not just at the end, but all through his life, he right. was pursued by people who were, who had vowed to kill him. Right. When when someone says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. You start making those kind of comments. <laughs> yeah. It's the inviting. Heat's gonna start. It's right. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Yeah. And that definitely happened with Jesus. But for now, uh, there's, you know, he sort of disappears now for at least until he's 12 years old, that little passage in Luke. And as far as we know, he's learning a carpenter trade. He's learning what it's like to have brothers and sisters and deal with them. Because I, I don't think his, his family life was the easiest family life in the world, mm-hmm. at least not from what we can gather mm-hmm. in John and some other places. And he's a Nazarene. He is a, he is a person with an address and a family, and uh, he's taken on humanity fully for us. But let me come back to something we talked about before the song, and that was our love for the pro-life position, Mm. because all of that would have been thwarted if the spirit of the agent had his way with the child Jesus. And and that's that's very sobering to us today. Right. We battle that same spirit today. And I think courageously we can step forward and say that um, what, what the gospel does when we become reoriented to Jesus, when we see Jesus perfect as our father, as our, as our, you know, the one who saved us, the one who welcomes us to his to his house, the one who relocates so that 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 re, so that that um, that welcome would be made clear. We then can be welcoming to those around us. And there are so many children who have no homes. Right. There are children who are fatherless, motherless. Well, their futures have been taken away from them. That's so sad. Absolutely. Cut off just like these children, in a sense. They lost their lives. These these young ones today have lost their futures. And their names, and I think in some sense we have an opportunity to be um, that parent and to love them and to be flesh and blood, um, in a sense, a savior to them. Um, The reality is that Christ's hands and his love, his feet, his lips, um, the way he cares for each of us is through each other. And um, and that's a that's an important part of this. Yeah, and I think it's important that the listeners know that Scott has 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 actually acted on. He's not just talking. He has. uh, three, three adopted children. Yes, three, yeah. three wonderful adopted yeah. children. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we've had uh, Bob and uh, Dinah Smith oh, yeah. who've fostered 70 or yeah. 80 children. So in, in our community, and, and again, I think this is a community issue. We talk a lot about community here. But uh, it's the community, I think, that enables families like Scott's family and and Bob and Dinah to yeah. uh, to do that. It, it shows up in a lot of practical ways too. If mm-hmm. if you're not able to adopt, it's it's sort of taking that young man at work that that 
everyone kind of overlooks and taking taking a part in his life, encouraging him, um, yeah. stepping out to those that are around you that just seem to be forgotten and yeah. lost, and uh, to be that friend yeah. that uh, that someone who reaches out to them. Well, last night I was at Cub Scouts and Marquez, uh, one of the teachers at New Hope, had brought Marquez so he could come and come come to Cub Scouts. Yeah. You know what it is? It's a whole community right. coming along and and, and helping those children. And I, I know it's a very caring position that we take too, because um, we're not unconcerned for uh, perhaps a, a young woman who's uh, bearing a child out of wedlock. I mean, that's a very serious thing. We we empathize, and we won't be part of the solution, though, rather right. than just right. ending that child's and, life. And she needs to know that there's a community of people that will love her and stand right. with her, right. even when other people will no longer stand with her because she's broken there. Yeah, absolutely. Code. Yeah, one of our first uh, foster children was a 16-year-old girl. Um, she had the baby while she was with us um never went to church never i mean she just we would kind of drag her off to these places but she never really went willingly and then 10 years later she called us out of the blue and just said do you remember me and of course we did and of course her you know her heart had been captured by christ and she said you know i just want to know that i want you to know that i saw you know what you modeled and you know i'm weeping now again (laughs) yeah i knew you but that's (laughs) that's right it's inevitable but that's the truth you just don't know what one loving, simple loving act yeah. does in the kingdom. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, Wayne, you, you know, your heart is in the middle of this conversation, too, because you were adopted. Well, I got to tell you, I was sitting here listening to you talk about this and realizing I could have been one of those casualties. Yeah. I was born to an unwed teenage mother and mm-hmm. was later adopted. So, mm-hmm. um, And you're here because <laughs> someone loved you and, yeah. and took you in. Yeah, yeah it's one of the great comforts is that Jesus himself, uh, with a mom um, who we can oftentimes identify with, she's yeah. pregnant. She's not pregnant in the usual way. Right. And therefore, for those moms that are listening even now, that you know, you may be pregnant, you may be a teenager who's pregnant, you think there's no hope. Jesus understands. Jesus knows. Yeah, yeah. His own mother was mm-hmm. in, in the situation that you're in now. Yeah, and you're not alone. That's I think the the two worst things I've heard, uh, and the the things that cause more emotional uh, illness, are the feeling that things aren't the way they should be, and aloneness, being lonely, and and that's that's exactly what we're talking about. That's that's what the 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 orphaned and the the. Uh, uh, the unwed mothers and and the poor and all the disenfranchised that are represented in this nativity narrative. I mean, they're all there. We've come to the halfway point in this classic session. It's so encouraging to see the notes that listeners like you send to us. Your notes on Facebook or email let us know that God is using this time to encourage and challenge us to get serious with our walk with Christ. Could you help us get the word out by sharing our podcast link to those you know who would benefit from these sessions? We hope you'll post your thoughts on the Michael Card Music Facebook page or reach us directly where you can send your comments, song requests, or questions via email. Write to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Again, inthestudio at michaelcard.com. What you're hearing is reflected in Michael's books, his music, and Bible conferences. And you can explore all that's waiting for you at michaelcard.com. Once again, michaelcard.com. Coming up, more of a classic session you won't want to miss after this message here in the studio with Michael Card. The Christian Standard Bible, scholarly, accurate, readable, current. That's why we're excited to partner with CSB. Visit csbible.com and explore the variety of options available to get this fresh translation into your hands. And when you order, receive your 30% discount on a CSB purchase at Lifeway when you use the promotion code in the studio. The Lifeway folks who, who are responsible for this uh, new translation, they've come out with all sorts of helpful versions, illustrated versions and daily versions. You know, anything that we can do to get people engaged with Scripture, we got to do. And CSB, I think, is a wonderful tool. Choose a copy that fits your needs online at csbible.com. And don't forget to use the code in the studio, type with no spaces to receive the 30% discount when placing your CSB purchase through Lifeway. Again, visit csbible.com. Michael, as we think about preparing for the new year, let's go back in time and listen to a conversation we had with the late Dr. Larry Crabb on that very topic, preparing for the new year. 
Yeah, we have these, this valuable archive that had these sorts of resources to, to get to hear someone like Larry Crabb, who went home to be with the Lord um, just recently, um, to get to hear his teaching and hear his heart. It's, I mean, it's almost miraculous to me mm-hmm. that he can still speak and does. Yeah, let me mention, too, that his sons have put together a website called LargerStory.com. We'll put that on our program notes that you may find interesting at LargerStory.com. And his last book, of course, was Waiting for Heaven, which mm. is really remarkable to think about him now enjoying all the glories of heaven in Christ. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Well, let's listen to a song, and then we'll hear that conversation with Dr. Larry Crabb. Here's Michael in the studio with the song, By Faith. By faith one was commended For the sacrifice he made Another out of holy fear Built an ark the world to save Another left his homeland And as a stranger he'd reside But none received the promise then And so in faith they died Others conquered kingdoms And quenched the fury of the flame Some made strong in battle Some were raised to life again But many more were martyred Amidst the crowd's loud clamoring by faith they would not bow the knee Or kiss the emperor's ring Faith understands and offers It assures and calms our fears It can shut the mouths of lions And make sense of scars and tears We persevere in hope and with conscience Clean and clear We walk this fallen wilderness With salvation's pioneer Being sure of what we hope for Seeing what is yet unseen Verse from nothingness, new life where none had been. The known made from unknowable, and hope for the comfortless. Who hear and hold on firmly to the faith that they possess. Make sense of scars and tears We persevere in hope And with conscience clean and clear We walk this fallen wilderness With salvation's pioneer So fix your eyes upon the champion As you seek to run the race Understanding that he cheers you on As you long for his embrace So hold on and do not grow weary Of the faith that you profess Remembering that you are ringed around By this cloud of witnesses Faith understands and offers It assures and calms our fears It can shut the mouths of lions Make sense of scars and tears We persevere in hope And with conscience clean and clear We walk this fallen wilderness With salvation's pioneer
thanks to Michael and to Steve and to Paul for that song by faith, which is, as you said, Hebrews 11. Mm-hmm. And uh, Larry Crabb, you're sitting here and just heard Michael sing that song. Hebrews 11 is that uh, great chapter, the faith chapter. Uh, it doesn't always feel great to me. <laughs> you know, he says uh, by faith and you have this hero list, you know, this honor roll of the faith and all this. And, and two things always stand to me about that, about that chapter. The first thing is, look at the guys who God's holding up as examples. David, adulterer, mm-hmm. murderer. You know, Moses hits a rock and he's supposed to talk to it. And Samuel had a couple of problem kids. And God's saying, my kind of people. Mm. <laughs> What's he saying there? He's saying, you, you guys, actually, you guys and gals, you actually trusted me through it all. Mm. And that's what really gives me a whole lot of fun, a lot of pleasure. I think we can give God fun by, by believing in him through it all. And these, these folks in Hebrews 11 did that. The other thing, though, that really strikes me about the, about the chapter is uh, I know my attitude toward faith since I was raised in a Christian home and believed in Jesus since I was a kid, you know. And um, I think my thought was that if I have enough faith, life's going to work just as I want it to. And you look at this list of people that live by faith in Hebrews 11, and about halfway through the chapter, the tone shifts. The first half is, by faith, all these wonderful things happened. Mm. And by faith, wonderful things do happen, no question about it. But the last half of the chapter is, even though people had faith, they got sawed in half. Mm. Even though people had faith, their kids were not raised from the dead. And then it ends up by saying, and the world was not worthy of people who in the middle of whatever life was like, they maintained faith in God because they knew their faith would one day be vindicated. Mm. One day they would say, God, you you really are who you said you are. And I'm so glad I didn't doubt you. Or if I did doubt you, I hung in there with you anyhow. I'm so glad that you are you who you claim to be. It's a wonderful chapter. It's mm. a great chapter. Oh, I'm so glad we asked you to sing that song so we could hear from Larry mm. about that here. Hey, the new year's upon us. Um, can we talk about that? Can, are you are you excited, Michael, about well, the new year? I mean, interesting. We're talking about the, the the passage because you look back on the year and you've got your winners and you've got your losers. Hmm. And I think there are probably a lot of people who who feel more like the second half of the list than the first half of the list. And and maybe they need a word of encouragement that you know if you've if you've hung in there, you've won and yeah. Uh, you're victorious. I don't know. Maybe you may not be on the winner's column, but uh, you, there may be still an occasion to celebrate the end of this year because you're still here. And you, am I am I spinning my wheels there? You, yeah. you you know what a different perspective that is. I mean, that's not the way we think about it. Mm-hmm. That's just a that's just a hugely different perspective. How did you how did you get so weird? Uh, <laughs> probably from from spending so much time on the second half of the list. <laughs> I thought you could say from reading his books. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, there there really is a different perspective here. Mm-hmm. Than, than we often hear. And I think it really is a perspective that God delights in, the perspective mm-hmm. of hanging in there with him. And yeah, we're losers. But who, who, is, who isn't a loser at one level? <laughs> yeah. You know, compared to the standard of Jesus, my goodness, we're, we're beggars, we're ragamuffins. Uh, that's a bit of a phrase I heard from Brendan Manning. Mm-hmm. And we really are a mess, but, uh, but God in his grace has taken, taken this past year and all the failures and all the mess and freed us from obsessing about it. Mm. Larry, do you advise people to kind of pause and look back and to kind of chronicle what has happened? What I think I struggle with are New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Um, they kind of, uh, they're, you know, the, the jokes are numerous. They last about a day or two or three or four, maybe at the most. And, and I think it is wise to take stock, and I, I think there's a, there's a real value to that. And there's a value to saying that, that, that every, every moment is a fresh opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, Francis Schaeffer, in one of his books, I think it was True Spirituality, he said that what gets me through life is to realize that, that God forgives me again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And he has a word about 50 times in his opening. And the thought is that wherever you've been this past year, this next year, you can move toward God. You can mm-hmm. live by faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're not a loser in the sense that you can't move toward the victory that God has for you. Well, Carl Barth says that the most important thing is not to learn how to begin, but how to begin again. And that only God gives us the grace to keep doing that. You hear a lot of stories from people, Larry. Um, Your counsel to people who need to begin again. And some are listening right now. And we all realize, and sometimes that's through all of us. Like me and Wayne. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got a really good friend that I spent time with just recently, then some real difficult marital stuff. And um, he said to me as we were sitting having coffee for two and a half hours, that's where I love to counsel over a long cup of coffee in a coffee shop, heck with this office stuff. <laughs> and um, he said to me, he said, you know, my wife hurt me so bad this past week. I think I've crossed a line where I can never look at her with affection again. Mm. 
And as he said this, and uh, this is going to sound terrible. It's going to sound like the worst kind of counseling you've ever heard. But I know this guy well. We've spent two years together. And I looked at him and I said, I just can't imagine your stupidity. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I recognize it because I have the same level of stupidity that we, we really don't. Un- are, you, are you telling me? Are you really telling me? That the grace of God is not sufficient for you to love her out of a power within you that God has put within you. We read the Second Peter passage together where, where Peter says in chapter 1 and verse 3 that, that God has given us graciously and liberally. He's poured into us everything we need for life. And the word for life there is zoe. And what it means is a passion to move toward God no matter what situation has taken place in your life. Your wife has betrayed you. Your wife has failed you. Yeah, I understand. That's tough stuff. That's real tough stuff. Do you not believe there's a power within you that could move toward her in a different way? Let's talk about what that might look like. Actually, he called me two days ago. And he said, uh, Larry, after that conversation, I could have kicked you in the teeth. I was so mad at you. But I went home and I thought about it. And I talked to my wife very differently. And I love success stories. They happen once in a while. <laughs> and he said, he said to me, he said, we've had the best week of our lives. He said, I have found the love within my heart for this lady. I'm looking at her as a very, very desirable woman who has failed just like I have. Mm. And maybe she didn't change anything herself. (laughs) She she didn't change a bit at (laughs) this point. But she was drawn by this guy's love into a movement toward him that was just wonderful. Mm. To be loved in spite of who we are. Is, is that's the gospel love because the, this one who loved us so much he would rather die than live without us who knows every hair on our head and and, is, and knows our sin better than we do is i mean your, your the story of your friend is a wonderful parable of of jesus who um who knows every bump and wrinkle and yet somehow amazingly not only puts up with me but likes me yeah and and uh, wants to spend time with me that's a humbling thing so resolutions no <laughs> maybe maybe not resolutions, but maybe um, um, maybe integrity, uh, personal integrity. By integrity, I don't mean don't don't cheat on your taxes. I'm obviously that, but by, <laughs> by by integrity, I mean something far deeper. Be exactly who you are in the presence of God this next year. Be exactly who you are, because if you straighten up your life in order to get Him to love you more, you've missed the gospel. Mm. But to straighten up your life as a response to the love that he has for you because you want to enjoy him more. Now we're getting into gospel living. So maybe less resolutions and maybe more more authenticity in the presence of God. Mm. You know, when I, I speak a fair amount and I get one of the most common comments I get that I used to like and don't like anymore. One of the most common comments I get is uh, you're so vulnerable, you're so transparent. And um, I think vulnerability, the way we do it in American culture, is very narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the word authenticity better. Vulnerability comes out of the therapeutic culture, which I struggle with sometimes, and authenticity, I think, comes out of a more of the spiritual journey that out of the depths of my soul, as I face this new year, I'm still struggling. I mean, guys, I've been saved for 51 years, mm-hmm. and I'm still struggling. I thought I'd be so much further ahead than I am now. Now, rather than being vulnerable about that, how about being, which, which can degenerate into whining, how, how about being authentic? How about what, it, what would it mean for me to be authentic and say, God, um, I, I thought you'd have been doing more. It may, maybe it's your fault. No, it can't be that. But that's what I'm feeling right now. Maybe it's my fault. I don't know. But this is who I am right now. Authentic mm-hmm. to God and authentic in front of others. Too? Authentic to God and in front of others in that order. Mm. I think there's some significance to that. So authenticity as you face the new year, that where, wherever you are, start where you are without any pretense. Because mm. that's exactly where God is singing. How about Brueggemann's prayer? Uh, God, you're not the God I would have chosen. And then he lists everything that he want, really wants from God. But at the conclusion of the prayer, he says, but you're the God who chose me. Mm. That that more and more, as oh. I work through lament, that's sort of where I'm coming to, is this idea that, you know, this is your deal. You know, Moses says to God, these people, they were your idea. This is your deal. <laughs> yeah. And I think authentic for me this year, it, it really means moving in, more into that. And I, I hope it's not um, there's not some resentment or, or some other sort of, Issues, I'm sure there always are issues in there, but that, that's where I am this year. God, this is your deal. Yeah. You know, I didn't choose you. You chose me, and this is hard, and there's, there's a lot of things that I would rather not be, hmm. but uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm not leaving the dance floor. Yeah. I'm going to continue in the dance. We'll, uh, we'll go on this year. Well, we've spent a lot of time recently talking about community and restoring broken community, oh, and you talk about giving up and moving on. It's not, as we've talked, it's not an option. Well, when real community happens is when you realize, you know, there's a lot about you I don't like. 
uh, who are you talking to? Yeah, Mike? <laughs> I was I was sort of looking at you when I said at? that, but <laughs> but we we had uh, in in this racial reconciliation sort of move that we're in the midst of here in Franklin. The first two years, we're all patting each other on the back. Oh, black and white together. Oh, isn't God good? He's good all the time. And then all of a sudden, we, Pastor uh, Denny Denson is here all the time. All of a sudden, I realized there's a lot about Denny I don't like. <laughs> And uh, but I'm not going anywhere. And uh, there may be—I know it's hard for you guys to believe it—there may be some things Just that he doesn't like two. about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but but now, let's turn back to God and say, God, you know, there's some things about you I don't like. You don't answer the questions that I, I most need the answers to. Uh, my nephew just died of cancer. My best friend—they just gave four months to live. Uh, I don't like this about you, God, because I know you've got the power. I know. These are all the things I know, but you know what? This is your deal. I'm the last lean. two years, both my parents died, and I can recall my father standing next to my Alzheimer's afflicted mm. mother who didn't know who he was. Mm. And I can remember him saying to me, looking at me as he had tears in his eyes, his arms around mom, who had no idea who he was, and he was saying, God could snap his fingers and restore her this minute. And I don't think he's going to do that. And yet he calls me to worship him. Sometimes that's hard. Mm-hmm. And that was that was authentic. That was the real thing. And, you know, I think I felt as close to my dad then. I'm going to start crying here. Mm. I think I felt as close to my dad then as I maybe ever felt because I felt like I met his soul struggling, wrestling mm. with, with his Lord that he loved and that he worshipped. Well, that's the only times we can ever really come to know each other is when we drop the masks and, and, and stop saying the things that I think you want me to say yeah. or that I think God mm. wants me to say mm. and just say, you know, this is the truth. You, you know, you may not like to hear this. Mike, you but, strike me as a as a man who lives to not to a perfect degree. I don't have rose colored glasses about you, but but you understand the word freedom a little bit. I, I, I'm a person who wants it very badly. Now, whether I've come close to having it, I don't know. But I, the the hunger for it, which I think is a gift, um, God's definitely given yeah. me that gift. But. Um, I, I want to be free. Remember the last concert I went to that you sang? You sat down at the piano and opened the concert, and your first words were, I'm not sure what I want to start with. Mm. But I thought, <laughs> I thought, now yeah. that's a little different. And Come I with a plan, it. man. Well, <laughs> I felt right. I felt so at ease. I yeah. felt like I'm with my brother. He's up there singing. I'm yeah. here listening. But this is a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. I was hoping someone would actually shout something out, but nobody did. It was <laughs> it was a bunch of counselors. They were just listening. I guess <laughs> I needed help, and nobody gave me any help. You know, as we go into the new year, I wonder <clears> if uh, if it, if what we're talking about could be summarized this way a little bit that. Um, that so easily it happens that we become the community of the pretenders, mm-hmm. the community of people who pretend that I am what I think you want me to be so we can maybe get along, and then we have no power, no real fellowship, but we slap each other on the back, hey, good to see you, how are you? Mm-hmm. And there's no spiritual power. Maybe this this year in a fresh way, maybe this is a New Year's resolution, maybe I'm going back on what I said, <laughs> but maybe we could become the community of the broken, because that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. The community of broken people who are not what we will one day be mm. but to, to, to say that well, but I long to be but I'm not and um, can you can you take me as I am because God does yeah can I take you as you are because God does the, co- the community of the losers the community of the losers yeah. and we're okay with that uh, over the last few months talking about looking back on the last year we've mm-hmm. talked an awful lot about this Michael about how we need to give up on those notions of what we think community is yeah. and seek uh, authentic to use Larry's word authentic community and the path is brokenness. Mm-hmm. Don't you know? You'd open the door and you look at it and say, "Close that door. I don't want to go there." You know, but you've got to go there. Well, Larry, do you think that community is a gift that God just gives you? I mean, we we have programs and we we say this is community and this is what we need to do and that's what we need to do. Sometimes I wonder if community isn't just something God gives hmm. to people. That would explain a lot. I'm not yeah. sure if I want explanations because mystery is kind of the name of the game here. But that that would uh, explain a lot because there's a lot of a lot of situations where there really is almost no community, and and I really don't think that skill training is the route to true community. Mm-hmm. I think there is something about embracing a gift, mm-hmm. and as you put it, and maybe I'm not sure if you, I'm getting what you mean by this. And correct me if I'm missing your point here, but but there there's something in my soul that God has placed there as a gift that when I embrace it, community does develop. Yeah. Well, I, it, it makes me suspicious when I go to groups of people. I won't say communities. 
groups of people who, by you know, by all uh, the evidence, should they should be a community. They have all this in common. Mm. They you know uh, they have these blessings. They have these gifts. Uh, this sort of com- commonality that should lead to community, and it's not there. But then I go to people who are so dissimilar, black, white, rich, poor, uh, cross uh, uh, denominational, cross cultural, and. And these people really are brothers and sisters. Yeah. That I realize, the community must be something that God's doing here, mm. uh, because I have so little in common with mm. Denny Denson. But mm. he'll walk through fire for me. Where does that come from? I'm sorry, our time has gone because we want to save time for a song here. Um, Larry, you mentioned earlier observing about Mike the freedom that he enjoys. There's a song, Michael, called "Join the Journey." Mm. We all know the song, mm. and the line in the song that you penned is, "There's a freedom for those who obey." Mm-hmm. And I want our listeners to listen for that lyric now as Michael sings the song. Larry, thanks for being here today. Hey, this is just plain fun. song to conclude this session in the studio with Michael Card. If this time has been valuable for you, please take a moment and post your review. Pass along the link for this podcast to a friend or have them search for Michael Card on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And we hope you'll take a moment and email your reactions to this hour. You can send your comments, song requests, or questions to us when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. We look forward to reading your email. Again, in the studio at michaelcard.com. Learn about Michael's books, music, and conference ministry so you can expand on what you've heard in this session at michaelcard.com. We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. When you visit csbible.com, find an edition of this new translation that fits your needs. And when you order, Use the promotion code in the studio, typed with no spaces, to receive your 30% discount on CSB purchases through Lifeway. The Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. We hope you'll join us for next week's podcast release. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Manfield, and our producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. 
Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.